You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. This is Trip Lanier and you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. A while back, my good friend Trip Lanier of the New Man Podcast and I were emailing about purpose. He wrote, what is my purpose? I hear this question a lot. I mean, a lot. So if it's such an important, ubiquitous question, then why is it so hard to answer? I have a different take on purpose, but for now, let's consider that an inability to find our purpose is because we're looking for myths that don't exist. Today, I invited Trip on the show to discuss his three myths regarding purpose and how we can see past them. Trip Lanier coaches men to get out of the rat race, become an authority in their field, and make a great living doing meaningful work they love. From startup founders to Navy SEALs to that really interesting guy up the street from you, Trip has coached anyone and everyone who refuses to settle, play it safe, or follow the herd. As host of the New Man Podcast, he's racked up millions of downloads conducting interviews with extraordinary thinkers in business, personal growth, and spirituality. Trip Lanier, welcome to Earn and Invest. Let me start with the big question. Why is this term purpose so fraught with both hope and anxiety? Well, I'd say two things, right? We think purpose is going to be, it's going to get rid of the problem that I have. And also it's going to scratch this itch that something is missing. And so purpose, oh, it's purpose. It, maybe it was money and then it was, uh, if I'm special and then whatever, we kind of go down the list and then, like, oh, it must be the the thing that's missing in my life is purpose. And so a lot of us zero in on that. And there's a there's some truth to that for sure. And we can go into that if you want, but I, I would say that it, it's, 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 it's Purpose must be the thing that's going to scratch this itch. Yeah, and it's funny because you say that because I think of purpose and originally we think it's this really positive thing, but then I think there's a lot of negativity around it. And so you bring up this idea of it's the thing that's missing or it's the itch we need to scratch, which would be great if we could figure out what that thing is or what that itch is. But a lot of the times, even knowing that something is missing doesn't mean you know what is missing, so to speak. Right. Yeah. And it can be developmental. I think it shows up differently depending on what developmental stage we're at in our lives. You know, if I'm a young person, then it might be about how much can I do and how big can I be and how, you know, I want to be significant and really find my place in the world. If I'm a, a provider and I'm I'm part of a small tribe or a small community, then then my purpose might mean something different about providing and protecting those people, serving those people on up as as our developmental stages grow and we expand our identity then purpose means something different at each of those levels 
So we're going to explore a little bit some of these myths about purpose. But before we get there, let's talk about you yourself. I wrote down this question to ask you, and I said, how did you find, and I put find in quotes or uncover your own purpose. I have problems with this word find, but talk to me about your personal journey. What did that look like with purpose? How did you start getting an inkling of what purpose meant in your own life? I don't know if I did, if I ever used that term purpose, but I had experiences in my life where I would have, I would have this affirmative feeling like, yes, yes, this is why I'm alive. And I had various things that I was doing when that happened. And I think that helped too. It kept me from being like, okay, it's, it's this thing. And that is my purpose where I noticed that that feeling would come up in different scenarios. And I was like, oh, interesting. This, this too is why I'm alive. This too is why I feel plugged in and whole or aligned. There were so many other words. Purpose didn't really come up for me. It wasn't a word that I used for a long time until I got into the personal growth space. Was it automatic that you're like, oh, this thing feels good or I feel alive or this is the right thing for me? Did you act on that immediately? Because I look back at my own trajectory and I was being busy being a doctor, which didn't feel right. And then I'd have these moments where I'd go public speak or I'd write and I'd be like, oh, this is it. But then I convinced myself that's like not what you do for a living or that's not a career. So were you able to go from recognizing to action right away? I think so. I, I I was unique in the sense that I didn't go through school jumping through hoops to get good grades. I was really clear. It's like, I just need to make enough money so that I can do the things that I love and have me, and have me feel really plugged in and aligned. And for me at that time, it was making music and surfing and traveling and just having that. It was more of a lifestyle and just having autonomy to have that choice. And I knew that focusing on work and career actually felt like it was diminishing those things. So money was still important to me, but autonomy and choice and creativity and being plugged, I I saw like, okay, I've got to figure out this equation where I can earn a living, but do so in a way that doesn't diminish my energy or my creativity in a way that I don't have anything left to then, you know, feel that, have that experience of being like, yes, this is why I'm alive. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned a few different things there. You talk about autonomy and choice, and those are kind of evergreen, right? Autonomy and choice, I think in whatever stage, whatever season in our lives, those are going to be important to us. On the other hand, then you talk about things like creativity and making music, and maybe you weren't ready for like the nine to five grind at that time. But it also hits me that purpose changes, right? Because who you are today probably wasn't who you were back then when, because I see you now and I, I see, for instance, like maybe now you do get more into work, right? And you find ways to bring creativity into work. Whereas maybe when you were young, this idea of work was more like, I'll kind of do it to make a living, but that's not that's not where I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like developmentally, we, we change, we shift. And so if we're looking for the particular thing and we decide at 22 that this is my purpose in life, we it ebbs and flows it it shifts it moves it's like balancing a basketball on the finger like okay this is it and i find this one position and it's like well it doesn't do that you know you lose balance so but if i understand that it's an experience and there are lots of different pathways or opportunities for that experience i might find that it lives in the neighborhood of creativity in certain types of work or whatever it is but it's my job to stay in touch with that and to make sure that my energy and 
you know, how I'm taking care of myself and how I'm thinking about the world doesn't block that. So if I've got a lot of shoulds, well, I should be this other person. I should be, I shouldn't be selfish and do ABC. A lot of those things will diminish us and they keep us out of that deeper conversation of, yeah, where is it that I feel more alive and more aligned? You know, I said before that when I was thinking about my questions, I put this word find in quotation marks. Yeah. Do we kind of find our purpose or do we build it? I think it's an allowing. Explain. So a lot of us are, you know, if I, if I'm, I'm clenching my fist here and there's this energy around like, I'm going to find it. Like it has this like, and it's, there's just this, I'm going to grit my teeth and go out in the world and find this thing. And there's something about having that energy as we go about and do something. It's like, bring that energy to sex. Like I'm going to really have amazing sex with my partner today. And I'm going to do all pony positions and we're going to do this. And, you know, it's just like, is that really how it happens? Or is it more of a, I'm going to engage, but I'm going to relax and I'm going to allow things to occur and let's see where things go. But that doesn't mean that I'm passive. It does mean that I'm engaged and open to me. Well, let's see what, let's see what happens. And I'm open to allow those things to happen instead of have a fixed agenda, a fixed idea in my mind about how things should be. When we think about purpose, a lot of times it's, it should be this. It should make me important. It should pay all of my bills. It, it should make sure that I'm super special and significant. Those are some of the myths we can get into later. And so when we have this picture in our mind, we tend to not allow any of the other things to arise. So we don't even see them. We don't see those pathways there because it has to look a certain way. If we're willing to allow it, we'll be surprised. We may be surprised by what shows up and where it's like, wow, I didn't think that when I do these types of things, that that's where I feel most of this aliveness or this sense of purpose. So allowing yourself to feel a sense of purpose releases us from some of those shoulds, some of those myths. We're going to talk about the specific myths in a moment, but I want to make sure that this conversation feels relevant. You coach people. That's one of the things you do for a living. How often does purpose come up in the conversation? Is it really ubiquitous the way we kind of talked about in our email? Yeah, it's a, it's a big part. And it usually it, it, it lives with meaning. So as we get older, maybe we lived really about proving ourselves early on and I've got to be this person. Maybe it's so that I feel important or that I'm approved of by my parents. I don't know if you can relate to any of this, Jordan, but the, of course, there's the, yeah. I know your story. So, but there's this thing of like, that becomes the purpose of our lives is to make sure that we please others or that we don't screw up our lives or that we don't look like a moron. We always have a purpose. We're always waking up every day and be like, okay, don't, screw this thing up. And that becomes the purpose of our lives. Okay. It just may not be what feels aligned or what has us feel like our yes. And where we just feel whole, let's say. And so, yes, this, this conversation comes up a lot when I'm talking with people, because they're shifting from who am I when I'm not just trying to prove I'm not a loser? Who am I when I'm not just trying to make sure I don't go broke? Who am I when I'm not just trying to, you know, make sure I've got a castle and everything's going to be safe for eternity. So I have my own definite opinions on this, but I'm interested in yours. You mentioned meaning and purpose. What's the difference between the two? Meaning, I think, is where we find it's a, it's with other. It's in, it's our ability to impact others, and I think it's part of our nature to be with others and to impact others and to know that we matter 
with others. And so on one level, it can be how impressive I can be and validated by others. But I think what provides a sense of meaning is knowing that I matter in such a way that I help this person move the needle in their life in some way. And the more meaningful, I think the more meaning we experience comes when it we help them move the needle in some way that matters to us. I've experienced this with people in recovery, let's say. So their lives were upside down. They were able to turn them around. Being able to be a support for somebody as they're, li- they're getting their lives on track provides a huge sense of meaning, more so than writing a big check to a foundation you know, at the end of the year to help save the whatever bacteria in the ocean, you know? So it's like, it's, it's really being there and seeing like, I'm doing something that matters and it's helping this person. Yeah. I have lots of opinions on this, but as you're discussing the difference, I think a lot about this idea that meaning is a very cognitive thing. Whereas purpose for me is a very action-based thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think meaning is the way we interpret our lives, where we fit in our past. And I think purpose is very much about kind of the present and future and how we take that meaning and then build actions around it to feel purpose or to feel connected or to build communities. And so I think that very much attaches what with what you're saying is it's kind of like the way we think about the connections in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Let's talk about the three myths, because this is obviously something that you talk to your coaching clients a lot about it. And this is a money show. So it's very fitting that myth one is a money myth. Myth one is, if only I knew my purpose, then the money would just come. Is it a mistake to equate money and purpose? Because I've heard this argument a lot, like, oh, if I find my purpose, all of a sudden, like people are going to just come and pay me because I'm being authentic and intentional and I'm doing what I was meant to do. Is that right? I think that's total bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Don't tell me it's bullshit. I want to believe this myth. This is a of great myth. Of course we do. Of course we do. That, that's it, right? If money's difficult for me, then, oh, if I just find my purpose, then money will, won't be difficult for me. So it, it's like it, it exonerates us from the effort or the challenge of making money. And I don't see how making money has anything to do with our purpose. doesn't mean it can't, but if we're able to relax that idea that somehow my purpose is aligned with making gobs of money, we now we've got all the options. They're all around us now, and we can have that experience. And in fact, I may be more purposeful about my work because it empowers me to go do this thing. So if I'm, maybe I'm not that jazzed about my work as a real estate person, but I find that I feel more purposeful when I'm doing activity ABC over here. Well, now I feel more focused as an investor or in real estate to, to utilize that time and in such a way that I can make money and, and have the time and energy over there or to empower others to do this thing that's allowed me to make money. It's, it just, it, it's not, it's a rocket booster. It's not the thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And as you're saying that, it kind of reminds me of this idea that we think that purpose is supposed to spawn us to go into a career choice or whatever. But what I found is when I build purpose in my life, I actually can then extend that into the current work I have. And so this idea of building a sense of purpose actually allows me to do my job better and enjoy the job that maybe I wasn't in the first place, even if that work is not purpose-based, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think it has anything to do with our work, but that doesn't mean that our work can't be purposeful or 
piggyback on what gives us a sense of purpose. But I think it's a huge mistake to narrow the field of opportunities if, because those are the only things that are going to make me money. Do you agree with this kind of, there's this American specifically myth that if you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. I know that a lot of people actually have a very negative reaction to that because they try to love what they do and they can't seem to find that perfect match. What do you think about that kind of belief? I think a lot of us have this, don't understand the difference between chores and creativity. I don't like doing my chores. I don't like having to get up and clean the dishes. We have a puppy now and <laughs> deal with puppy stuff. There's just <laughs> chores. And there's things where I'm not going, of course I can, I can, I can do a practice and be like, wow, I'm alive today. And when I'm a hundred and I'm in pain and I'm, I'm not able to move my body well, I would love to come back and have this day in this body. And I would love to do these chores. I would relish this opportunity. I can do that practice and I can, but I think there's this, again, this wanting to escape chores. There's wanting to escape mundane, that, that kind of thing of life. And so there's this idea of like, Oh, purpose would mean I would never have to deal with effort and kind of going through some bullshit from time and time again. And I don't think that that's true. I do think though, that it helps that if we, if our work doesn't allow us to be creative or autonomous or have us engage a sense of mastery, like we're growing in some way, then if it's just chores, then yeah, that's really hard. But I think where we find an enjoyment in our work is when we feel engaged, that we're doing something that matters, that we're part of a team that's doing that has meaning. Like if you take all that stuff out of it, then yeah, it's a real drag and it's chores. But I don't think purpose is the key. Like, oh, if I just knew my purpose, then that stuff wouldn't wouldn't exist. It's still it's still work. <laughs> Let me flip the conversation a little bit around. Can money kill? purposefulness. And I, I've, I've, you know, I'm asking this question, but I've recognized this in my own life. For instance, when I was young, I started a business where I was selling artwork and I love the artwork. But the problem is when I started selling it and all this artwork was moving through my house, they became useless pieces of paper. Like I lost some of the joy when it became a business. Yeah. Is it possible that actually money can be toxic towards purposefulness? I don't think it's the money that makes it toxic. I think it was the, the, I can I can speak to it uh, the same when uh, I was in uh, bands in my twenties, and there was at one point we were really going for a big record deal and that whole thing. And I got to a place where I was like, I don't like this anymore. And then, but I zoomed out and I was like, What are we doing now? We haven't written a new song in a year. We've been playing the same three songs. We've been playing for not people that are enthusiastic for the music, but for record executives that sit in the back of the room with their arms crossed. Where it was just like, oh, of course, this process sucks. This isn't fun anymore. Whereas when I'm doing these particular things, that's the avenue where I get I, I, the, the experience of purpose and enlivenment and engagement comes along. So this idea that, oh, I love art, I must make money with it and that'll make it better. You might find that the activities and the process that you engage in actually squander that feeling. They, they push it away. So let's move to myth two. If only I knew my purpose, then I'd wake up every day fired up about going to work. <laughs> Why not? I mean, maybe if I know what I'm supposed to be doing, it's going to enliven me, right? It's going to really fill me up. But you're saying that that's kind of a myth. Why? I would say that when I've noticed when we are aligning more and more with purpose, that we will also be leaning into things that feel really vulnerable and challenging. So 
it's pretty easy to follow the recipes and the formulas of life. Do this, do this, do this, do this, and you'll make money and, and get your job. And there's a comfort and a certainty there. When we start to live more aligned with our purpose, we're going into uncertainty. We're engaging the creative process more, which is about experimentation. And our natural inclination is to resist uncertainty. It's to resist discomfort. It's to resist failure, the possibility of failure. So there will be days where it's like, okay, I'm doing the thing that, I, that is more aligned with me, but this is uncomfortable. I think I'd rather go back to my job underneath the fluorescent lights in a cubicle because at least I didn't feel threatened there. I may have just been bored off my ass. So I, I think that this idea where you might be fired up in some ways, but this I, I've also known that, I mean, there's people that I've worked with in the last year that have picked up and moved their families across the country for an opportunity. They feel much more aligned with their purpose, but it's been scary. And there's been like, there's been days where like, what the hell am I doing? And it's not always, yay, wonderful <laughs> feelings all the time. And that's the, that's the myth is it must feel wonderful all the time. And I, and if it doesn't feel wonderful all the time, I must not be in the right place in the same way that some people approach romantic relationships in the same way. It's like, oh, wait a second, we're having a problem. I must not be with the right person. You know, it's an interesting point because what you're saying, and I totally agree with this, is that stepping into our purpose can feel a little dysphoric. It can feel dysregulatory, right? We are stepping out of our bubble of comfort and specifically putting us into an uncomfortable place. If that's the case, then how do we connect purpose with happiness? Right. Because clearly pursuing our purpose is not always a walk in the park. How does it relate to happiness? How are they tied together? I don't know how to use the word happiness because that's a that's a state. But peace is something that I can appreciate and in, in that I can experience peace after doing something that was really difficult but necessary. So I've been ignoring a thing in my body, going to the doctor and having it taken care of or looked at. That was uncomfortable. I have a big bill now. Maybe I have a diagnosis, but when I lay my head down, it's like, I'm not running away. I'm dealing with this thing head on. Same thing in a relationship. We have to have this conversation and, and take the, and deal with this head on. There, there are things that we do that might be really uncomfortable, but they're necessary. And when we take care of them, we deal with them. There's a sense of peace on the other side. So if we're looking for this to be happy all the time, that's state chasing. That's, and that's living in a fantasy. Whereas I may feel more at peace, but I might not have these ecstatic moments of like, wee, that kind of thing. So I, I like to use peace because I, I can feel like I've really been worked and challenged, but like, yeah, I, that was what I, that felt, that feels right. That's what, that's what needed to, to be done. And I feel good for taking responsibility there. So what problem do you think purpose solves? We know it comes up, right? It comes up all the time in your coaching sessions, what is the goal when we're kind of trying to understand our purpose better? I think that this is a spectrum. I think that spectrum, I think that purpose lives on a spectrum. And so early on in our life, it might be about money and survival and being important and being significant. And then it might move into something that feels more meaningful. Whatever the thing is, when we're not moving towards that or we're not allowing that into our lives, we feel discomfort. We feel like something is off. We can have it all. We can have the money. We can have the family. We can have the, the awards and the accolades, but something will still feel off and it'll gnaw at us. And so the more we move down this spectrum, 
I think the more that we find ourselves yearning for a unity with something much bigger than ourselves. And so it might look like money at the beginning. It might look like marriage and kids at a certain point, but ultimately it comes back to this unity with something that is much larger than us. Some may call it God. Some may call it love. Some may, we can only point towards it maybe, but the more that we feel separate, then the less peace that we have. And I've always appreciated Don Miguel Ruiz when he's talked about sin as our separation from that, that that is the sin, is when we see ourselves as separate from whatever that sense of wholeness or unity or grandness or divinity, whatever you want to call it, because there are a lot of words in there that will spook the hell out of folks. But if we are separate from that, we will always be yearning. And that's, that is my belief as I've gotten older and I've moved along these stages and I've seen how it went from this to this, to this, to this, to this, that it was, it was always moving me more towards this sense of unity. We are talking to Trip Lanier. He is the host and creator of the New Man Podcast. And we are talking about common myths when it comes to purpose. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, This car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, Purposeful cockpit-like driving position and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. This episode is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, if you're like me, you thought at one point in your life that having enough money would solve all of your problems, and guess what? It didn't for me, and it probably isn't for you. But you know what helps quite a bit? Therapy. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It definitely did for me, and when I used BetterHelp, I found that I was learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowered me to be the best version of myself, and it's not for just those people who've experienced major trauma. You might be like me. Maybe you got to the point where financially you were successful, and yet you still found that life's problems hadn't been all solved. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash earn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash E-A-R-N. 
We are back with Triplin Year. He is the author of the book, This Book Will Make You Dangerous. And we are talking about the three myths when it comes to purpose. We discussed myth one, if only I knew my purpose, then money would just come. We also talked about myth two, if only I knew my purpose, then I'd wake up every day fired up about going to work. Let's concentrate now on myth three. If only I knew my purpose, then I wouldn't be wasting my life. I would feel like I wouldn't feel like a nobody or a loser. Does purpose make us special or should we feel special if we discover our purpose? I don't I don't know if the, if they go hand in hand, but I could see where if somebody didn't feel special, they would think that this is the thing that was missing. So if I was if I had a purpose in my life, then I wouldn't feel like I was just drifting along and insignificant that my life was insignificant. And so we're back to that place of meaning and and that 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 lives alongside purpose here. So it, it can feel like we're drifting along and insignificant. That's a terrible feeling. Yeah, I was about to say. And do humans do we crave that kind of feeling special? Is that just something that's pervasive? I think ultimately it's our birthright to be loved, and then if we don't genuinely feel loved, then we're going to look for some way to, to get that. And this brings me back to the point that I was just making about unity, where there, there's not a feeling of missing that, where that, 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 that feeling and that knowing of love, that unity with love is, it's not missing anymore. Connect the dots for me. How does unity relate to significance? Because I think that's really what this myth three is talking about. It's talking about specialness. It's talking about significance. Are we not feeling like we're a loser, right? There's something to us. Um, How does unity either incorporate significance or get past it? I don't think it does (laughs) because the experiences with quote unity that I experienced this notion of trip and all of that, it was, it was obliterated. It wasn't there. (laughs) So uh, whether it was in meditation through psychedelics or just in other experiences, the less that it was about me, the more engaged and purposeful that I, I felt it's, it's, it's beautiful in that way because this, I, this whole idea of like, how am I looking and who, how do I appear to other people? That's the hell that, that feels like shit always worrying about that. And where we feel, or at least where I feel a sense of peace is where I'm not, that's the last thing I'm worried about. Yeah. So in a sense, it's almost letting go of the worries about significance, right? So what, what you're describing to me is, is I, I feel it's almost like an expiration. It's like, all right, like I'm dropping this. I'm letting this go. I'm feeling a deeper sense of connection, maybe letting go of the ego a little bit, right? Like being part of something bigger. Well, it, it would make sense that the ego would put itself front and center and that that will be the thing that'll have me feel whole and enough. And it's a cosmic joke. It's like, yeah, go go for that. Go, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if you ever get enough, right? And we have enough, we, you don't have to go very far to watch the yard sales of folks and when they make themselves increasingly the center of the universe, how, how much suffering that causes. And, you know, they start cutting up their faces so they don't look old and they start to distort their reality in order to, to maintain that, that the perception of being that important. Whereas the peace comes from, it's okay. It's okay for me to not, this, this notion of me being important doesn't have to exist um, that doesn't mean that I'm not significant or that I don't get to belong or have a place in this world, but this idea that I need to be above and special above others, that that type of thing can relax. 
You know, I've been criticized when I talk about purpose because I'm a big fan of kind of letting go of these big audacious goals, maybe these things that we think of as significance and more to concentrate on what kind of feels right, maybe makes us feel this unity you're talking about. But sometimes I wonder if that's also there's a hedonism to that, right? It's like do what feels good. I mean, is there anything wrong with that? And and, and is there a connection there between some kind of purpose and hedonism in the sense it's doing what feels right and good to us? Is there more than that? Yeah, I think Tal Ben Shahar wrote a book called Happier. And he talked about how the rat racer in us is future focused and always like it's about achievements and it's about one day I'm going to reach this place and then I will have fulfilled my purpose. And then there's the hedonist, which is like, well, that sucks because I don't want to deprive myself now. Who knows how long I have to live? I want to feel good now. So I'm only going to do what feels good in the moment. And then the nihilist arrives when he realized that neither of those two things are the way. <laughs> it's all shit. <laughs> it's all shit. And you go through that nihilistic phase and you read a lot of dark philosophy stuff and you get st- hopefully you don't get stuck there and reading a bunch of old German guys. And But then you realize that what, what does satisfy us is a sense that we're doing something meaningful that, work, that is working towards the future we care about, but we're also deeply enjoying what, what's going on now. And I think hedonism gets thrown in. We have to watch out for it. It's like this idea that hedonism means we just eat like crap and there's this, it's only short-term stuff. But I would say that that's not what gives us a sense of peace. Like I enjoy being nourished. Let's talk about, let's, let's look at this as if it were food. I can eat junk food all the time and really feel bad, especially at my age now. Like I really pay for it if I eat junk food and I might enjoy it in the moment, but I very quickly, within a few hours, I don't feel very well afterwards. That doesn't, that doesn't work. But I, what does it feel like when I'm nourished and I eat something that's really good for my body? That feels amazing. A lot of us don't have that discernment or that ability to have a nuanced experience of like, this feels good, really feels good. It feels like I'm nourishing myself, which is different than I just put something in my body and I have a high and I'm chasing that high all the time. That's a bit like the chasing the happier happiness vibe in a relationship or, or even in this purpose thing where you're just constantly bouncing from high to high to high. So I, I like the word nourishment and I, I like the word satisfying. Because they tend to take in the whole experience and not just how you feel for a, a brief part of the experience. It's the whole thing. Yeah, you know, I keep on thinking of the terms incremental gain as you're talking about this, and I'm not sure why, but maybe this idea as opposed to kind of this all-consuming hedonism versus this big audacious goal, we have what you're talking about in the middle, which is continuous nourishment, improvement, building, growing in kind of a healthy way, or at least that's how I'm kind of envisioning this as you're saying what you're saying. And it's different for everybody. I think for others, what what gives us a sense, of nourish, a sense of nourishment is that growth and seeing progress, right? For the achiever, we they they can't go through life without keeping a score. That's what makes it enjoyable for them. And then the artist isn't concerned about that shit at all. The artist is really into the process and creating something beautiful and the discovery of things, not really caring about that outcome. So it, it really is also under, understanding our type and that we might lean in a certain direction and being willing to challenge that instead of, well, I should be one of these high achiever types instead of maybe I'm more of an artistic type and I, I really enjoy losing myself in this process. That's what feels more purposeful and meaningful for me. And then, you know, I might create something, but then I throw it away. I don't even care about the artifact. 
So you say that these three myths cause a purpose trap. What do you mean by that? What is a purpose trap exactly? Well, the trap is what we were just talking about is that I can only see that my purpose must make me a lot of money. My purpose also has to make sure that I'm always fired up and always in this ecstatic state. And my purpose also has to make sure that I'm super important. And essentially, this means you're going to be an an influencer. Or something along those, like there's there's versions of that in Wall Street and every other kind of industry in the world where we're just chasing that. So we're in our mind, it has to check these boxes and we're essentially missing all of the nuance and all of the opportunities if they don't meet those three criteria. And there's probably more, but those are the big ones that I see coming up. And so the trap is we keep looking for something that doesn't exist. The thing that that would actually be purposeful could could show up and be right in our face and we won't allow ourselves to see it because it doesn't check those boxes. And do you think that happens a lot? I mean, do you think people actually, the purpose is obvious, um, but they're ignoring it? It's not fitting into the boxes they're, they're trying it to It happened check. to me. It happened to me, even though I was a guy that I thought was really aligning to this. When I, I sold my first company when I was 32-ish or something like that, and I, in my egoically, this is where the ego comes in, egoically, it was like, okay, cool, next, next chapter, I'm going bigger. Like I'm going to, I had a really small little tiny little company and now I'm going to blow it up. I'm going to be really significant. I'm really going to do it this time. I quit that job before because I didn't have a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose in the work that I was doing. And where I actually experienced that was having deep, beautiful conversations with people that were life-changing. But in my mind, it was like, no, the thing you got to be doing is this other stuff. It's got to be big. It's got to be important. It's got to, it was checking all these boxes. And Jordan, I spent years circling around and like, where's this and where's that? And where's this? I wasted tons of money and time and energy because internally I knew I was called to get into the the work that I do, which is lives in this world of coaching. But another part of me, egoically, I was like, that's not, that's not it. That's not going to make me the money I want to have. That's not going to make me be important. That's not, it's not going to do all of this stuff. And it wasn't until I said, okay, I'm willing to relax this stuff because chasing after it's doing nothing and it's just driving me nuts. What if I just do the thing that actually allows me to feel more whole and more at peace and that I enjoy doing has me feel a lot. And then it was fine. I just had to get over myself. Yeah. You know, I connect with that so much because that I would, that would be a hundred percent describe my trajectory in medicine too. Is like, I had to let go of what I had told myself for all those years that I had to do to start doing what I actually wanted to do. And it was, it was really, it was a letting go of a lot of these beliefs that just weren't serving me anymore. I think this conversation leads me really to two main questions. I mean, one is that people get anxious enough with purpose that they say, you know what? I just don't want to think about that anymore. Like, I just want to put it aside and go on with my life and, and you know, find whatever sense of contentment or happiness or maybe even unity or peace that I can. Can we set purpose aside? Because I know there are a big group of people who are just tired of thinking about that big term. It it, it just upsets them. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally fine with that. I think that the the question, though, is not it's not so much, well, then go to sleep, sleepwalk through life. Mm-hmm. But it would be to just simply start to checking and what would make today or this week more satisfying? What would bring you a sense of peace? And so when we relax, this need to be important or to find this big, huge thing for my life to have meaning and it's missing and my life is a waste if I don't have this sense of purpose or whatever. It's just like, it comes back to just like, what would make it satisfying? 
And this comes, this is why I like, I use the word allow, because a lot of times we have to just allow it to be, it's there. We just have to allow it. And we oftentimes have to allow our egos to relax because it wants to be so important or it has to look a certain way instead of it's just right there. And if I'm, if I just allow it to be there, I might have to get over myself and, and just allow it into my life. But you, you described the way that you were, it was there the whole time for you, but you had to, you had to shift something in your thinking about yourself and who you were supposed to be to allow it into your life. But if we just came back to what gives you a sense of peace, what gives you a sense of deep satisfaction and understand that those words feel better than checking out or numbing out and sleepwalking through life. I imagine there are people listening right now that are like, Trip Jordan, this is great, right? You found what felt like purpose in your life. You were able to step away from these myths. But the big question is, how do I personally do that? So if you are listening to this right now and you're like, this sounds great. I've been falling into this purpose trap. I've been listening too much to these myths. What's kind of like the first step for people to say, okay, I'm going to step away from this trap, away from these myths, and start figuring out what feels like unity or peace in their lives? Yeah. So when I work with people, you do a very basic kind of assessment of their lives. We look at their health and fitness, look at their work in the world, their relationship to nature, their relationship with a significant other or romantic relationship. If they have family, they have community. And then their relationship with self, like how they treat themselves, how they view themselves. Is, is that a peaceful place or it's usually not a very peaceful place? And then if they have room for it, is are they a person that would have a relationship to something bigger than themselves? Each one of those places can be a place where they're, they're, they're trapped in a should. It has to be a certain way. I'm supposed to be a Christian or I'm supposed to be a Jew and I'm supposed to be married to this person because we got married 30 years ago and we liked each other then, but we don't like each other. Now, there's so many places where there's a should and it has to be this way and they're not allowed to consider something else. And it's okay. That's okay. But I like to just go through those places all around there and just say, what would allow a little more satisfaction? So if you don't like going to the gym and you hate going to the gym in this certain way, what kind of movement and eating would feel more nourishing for you? You're going to do something, but what would, in, instead of it having to be a certain way, because Huberman said it had to be that way, <laughs> what actually works for you, right? Oh, I would hike in nature. I wouldn't go be in the gym and sweaty with all the noisy things and clanking stuff. I love that idea. Let's go to nature, right? So it's looking for these places. And the more we could just get good at aligning what would be deeply satisfying for us in these areas, it all comes together. It just slowly starts to track in that direction. What's missing though for a lot of us is like, well, where's the big payday? Where where am I a big star? And I get my award on stage, all the important, significant things that we talked about. It, this will be work, right? There's there's a thing like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have this, this uncomfortable conversation with this person because we've been talking about, we've always been done it a certain way. And now I'm going to propose that we do it a different way. Yeah, you're not going to be super fired up for that conversation. It's going to be difficult. So this is where the work comes in. There is effort to this. There is uncertainty to this. There will be losses that feel like losses in the short term, but it's moving towards that greater sense of peace and wholeness that we're talking about. But it is tracking in that direction instead of wanting to find this one big thing and have everything rely on that instead of I can go find peace and, and a sense of wholeness in all of these different domains. Well, Drew, I wanted to thank you for having this conversation. As I think about it, you know, it strikes me this idea that 
we really need to redefine purpose in a way the way you're talking about it as a more peaceful state, maybe a state of unity, certainly a state of letting go of some of the ego, unclenching, like you were saying, that fist that's clenched up and letting go. Uh, But to use words like unity and peace doesn't excuse the fact or change the fact that it's also going to be uncomfortable, right? Letting go of some of those things we've held tightly for so long, stepping into discomfort, sometimes doing things that don't feel easy, ultimately will fulfill us and connect us more. I want to end this conversation the way I end every conversation by asking you what is up next in your life and how people can find you. First and foremost, tell us about your book. This book will make you dangerous. I had you on the show, what, a year or two ago to talk about it. One of the best books I've read, certainly in self-help, and certainly helps clarify this idea of what's standing in our way Hmm. and how to move past it. What's going on with the book right now? Yeah, the book continues to find an an audience. I think last time we talked, I, I... more people are reading it every month, which is pretty amazing after almost four years. So I'm really happy about that, that it's found its audience and it continues to impact people. And, but it is a lot of that. It, it, it's, it's finding its home with people are like, wait a second, I did all the things I was supposed to do, but I don't feel right. I don't feel like I don't feel fulfilled. I don't I, something's missing. And so I got tired of having that conversation with folks and people that have done extraordinary things. I mean, I've worked with people at top levels in, in business and military and, even sports all the all the way across the board and there's this thing like it looks great from the outside but inside something's off and so i saw the these patterns and this striving and it's kind of like whatever got us here isn't going to get us to where we ultimately want to go and just a lot of personal growth and self-help books were so dry and serious and i was tired of that too i wanted to have fun with this and i find that if we're willing to be more playful and not take ourselves so seriously, this work is much, much easier. And we're more willing to experiment, try new things. So this book will make you dangerous. The idea of what dangerous is, is it's it's what's dangerous to us now in our cushy, comfortable, modern lives is I don't want to do anything that's uncomfortable. It's like, oh, you mean I have to drive across town at seven at night? Are you kidding me? The uncertainty of, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we don't like risking time and energy, especially money. And then we certainly take ourselves very seriously. We don't want to look a certain way. Um, we certainly are very sensitive to, to criticism or being judged in a certain way. So those are the three things that really keep us from having the lives that we ultimately want. And I go in further, much further into that throughout the book and how, how we can then answer to that and then move towards what we really want. And if people have questions for you or want to learn more about your platform, what is the easiest way to connect with you? Yeah. So I've been doing the New Man podcast for many, many years. We were one of the first uh, men's development uh, podcasts that we started, I think, in 2007, 2008. So there's a ton of free content there. This book will make you dangerous is available wherever you get books. And, um, you know, triplinear.com is, is the best way if you want to learn more about the coaching services that I provide. Triplinear, thank you so much for coming on Earn and Invest today. Thank you, Jordan. Always a pleasure. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Trip Lanier. I imagine you're asking yourself, why, oh, why 
is a money guy talking about purpose. Well, there are a few reasons, but first and foremost, I don't believe that there's any reason to talk about money unless we step past the money and talk about what we're going to do with it. As you guys know, if you read my first book, Taking Stock, I think money is a great tool, but the goal is happiness, living a regret-free life, doing the things you want to do. And how do we do that? Well, we do that with purpose. So I don't think there can be a conversation about money if we don't know the why. What are we doing with our money and why are we doing it? What is the end goal? What do we want to achieve with that money? If you're looking towards financial independence or retiring early, what are you going to do once you retire? You guys also might realize that I have written a book actually about purpose that's going to come out in January 2025. It is called The Purpose Code. It's being published through Harriman Press, which was bought by Macmillan recently. Here's the thing. When I went to talk to people about taking stock and I talked to them about living a life of purpose, identity, and connections, I got a lot of feedback that people didn't want to hear that they were supposed to live a life of purpose. In fact, a lot of people told me that purpose caused them anxiety and that thinking about purpose actually made them depressed and anxious and they just wanted to be and not worry about any kind of end goal. And I had never heard this before. And in fact, there's a term called purpose anxiety, which is very, very common. On the other hand, when I went to do the research and inform myself about purpose, I saw that many researchers had connected purpose in life with longevity, health, and happiness. So I was left with this big question, the question that my book, The Purpose Code, strives to answer. How can purpose be both the worst thing, because it causes us anxiety and makes us feel bad, and yet the best thing, because it helps us live longer, healthier, and happier? It's a paradox. How does it do both? And the conclusion I came to is that we generally think about purpose incorrectly. And that's why I decided to have Trip Lanier on the show today. And I wanted to talk to him about some of the myths he perceived and the way we strive for purpose. It's part of this bigger, broader conversation that my book eventually strives to answer. Why do we all get purpose so wrong? And why is it causing us problems? Yes, this is 100% a money conversation, because I think if we don't have our money straight, it gets harder and harder to deal with purpose. Does that mean it's impossible? No. I know plenty of people who don't have much money who are living very purposeful lives, but you are more free to pursue your purpose if you also get your financial life in order. It's necessary But it isn't enough to just get your money in order and decide that life is going to be perfect and happy and wonderful afterwards. Because guess what? That didn't happen to me. I got my money together. And until I started working on purpose, I didn't find myself to be fulfilled as I was hoping to be. And it's not just me, but I hear this over and over again in the FIRE community. It just seems that when we try to focus on money as the goal and then we get to that vaunted height of net worth that we, everyone is talking about and excited about and we've hit our fine number, 
it doesn't necessarily make us happier than we thought we would be. In fact, for many of us, it is the beginning of anxiety and depression until we transition from that life of not liking what we do to work to not working at the things we don't like, but beginning to work and build our life's work around what is purposeful. So that's why I had Trip on the show, and I hope this connects with some of your own feelings and thoughts. You are simply doing it wrong if all you're doing is concentrating on money. I usually don't come out with such a strong opinion, but I want to make sure people know exactly how I feel, because one day you might find yourself with a huge amount of money, a big bank account, and yet unhappy. Anyway, all right, I keep things running just for a few minutes to catch our after show, whatever we chat about afterwards. Anything about purpose we didn't talk about? Anything? I know it's such a huge, huge subject, um, but I wanted to cover the myths specifically. Anything you think we missed? I think so. Yeah, I appreciate. I appreciate having a kindred spirit in this, <laughs> and I like how we have a new, we have different nuanced views of it. So I, I just I love that that um, that conversation. I love that we didn't. Sometimes this conversation can. When I talk about this with like more spiritually minded folks, they're already way out ahead of where yeah. some folks are in the money world, as your your crew is. So it's like we got to help them move from you know into it's not necessarily about spirituality but just kind of like they just jettisoned the whole money and importance thing into another thing so yeah and you know it's funny to me how much of a balance it is like i think the people who are all charge ahead let's make lots of money let's build big things obviously need a little bit more of that spirituality right whereas i think the people who are way far in the spirituality like dude let's just be like yeah but you do kind of have to make a living and support yourself and and, yeah. and build some stability in your life yeah. because i think ultimately purposefulness or whatever we want to call happiness or contentment or peace has both pieces multiple pieces including kind of that financial aspect yeah. um again Often people who listen to me get so caught up into the financial aspect that what's new in my podcast is I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. let's let's step away from the financial part to see where it's actually taking us. Um, yeah. So so I love this conversation because again, it's it's pushing us in different directions on the continuum uh, so that we kind of see those different perspectives. Because ultimately, I think anyone who's done this journey for long enough realizes that the money aspect itself isn't what fulfills you in the end, right? It's it's a good tool, but it doesn't really bring you what you're looking for. Yeah, it's, it's like the hammer and the nail thing, right? So if you're a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. And um, yeah, well, I must need more money. Must yeah. need yeah. We'll just we'll just do the X with money, and that'll that'll be it. Whereas it's been a bit more of the yin and the yang, right? So if you describe the guy that's just sitting there and kind of letting life happen to him and he doesn't have that initiative and he doesn't have that ability to go into the world and create and he's not at peace either he's 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 struggling he's worried about xyz even though his exterior might seem otherwise he's he he's at, at best dependent upon somebody else who is worrying about that stuff he's dependent on that regard so you know there's that 
ability to to animate both of those qualities. It's not masculine, feminine, but it is that ability to recognize, okay, when I need to, I can go out and hunt and bring home the the thing, the the food. And at the same time, I can also rest and rejuvenate and, re- and connect here as well. Yeah. I like, I love this idea just of connectedness in general. Like, like I, I think purpose often is, is what allows us to be connected and right. You need all those different aspects, right? You need rest. You need sometimes a guiding belief or an idea or, you know, even a goal, although I'm kind of, I'm not a big fan of huge, big audacious goals. I think we need lots of little goals and things that make us feel connected to the people and ideas and importance and meaning around us. Um, and I think that all ties into kind of the unity and the peace and the, it's just kind of a general feeling of, of connectedness. Yeah. You kind of think like how, how screwed up it is that the worst thing you can do to somebody in prison is remove them from their, their company of rapists and murderers and put them in isolation. <laughs> like it's, it's considered cruel and unusual to some folks to remove them from that environment. So yeah, we, we need that. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.